Another episode of the Plus One Player Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steve, and this week I'm joined once again by Darren Simmons Jr. Darren, it's good to have you back. How are you doing this lovely evening? What's good? I'm here. I'm happy. Had a good recording session myself earlier this week. That has me still ecstatic and reeling. I'm good. That's fantastic. It's always good when you have one of those like really good sessions because then it kind of gets the juices flowing, so you're just really in that creative mood. I'm still in all that juice, bro. <laughs> still just deep involved with the juice. That's fantastic. But, I mean, PAX East right around the corner. You're going to be in my neck of the woods here on the East Coast. It's going to be cold. I'm, I'm giving you a warning now. I'm not ready at all. My body is already sad. I've lived here for 29 and a half years, and I got to tell you, it never really get, you don't really get used to the cold. You just kind of deal with it, you know? You just ignore that it's so bitterly cold. Like, t- tomorrow is going to be fucking freezing here, so I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> See, 65 degrees to me is cold, so... Oh, yeah, you're you're in for a treat then. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you're going to have to watch out for that because it does get a little crazy. And I can't believe they're actually doing a uh, PAX East on like the last weekend of February. They're really tempting the snow gods. Oh, boy. Hey, well, if anything, as I haven't been in snow like that. So I'll enjoy it for five seconds and then I'll be a popsicle. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much how it goes. But I am looking forward to seeing you and all the other friends that are going to be joining us at PAX East. So if you're out there going to PAX East, let us know, and I'll be there most of the weekend. I don't know if I'll be there Sunday, but I'll probably be there Thursday through Saturday. So if you're going, let me know. I'd love to meet up, check out some games with you, grab a drink, grab some food, whatever it would be. But PAX East is a good time, so I'm looking forward to having some fun with some good friends. But tonight, so we're back because for those listeners out there who are sticking with us, Obviously, we haven't been uh, doing episodes as regularly as we used to, mostly just because I'm the one who does the editing, and I've just been super fucking busy lately between my actual job and the process of kind of buying a house. So the next few, I'd say, weeks are probably going to be more of this like bi-weekly thing, but eventually we'll kind of get back to that weekly style, hopefully. But right now, life just kind of gets in the way. Uh, You know how Jeff Goldblum talks about it in Jurassic Park. It finds Mm -hmm. a way, so we're getting there. (laughs) But... I am excited for this week's episode because we had talked about this when we did our our last episode, the roadmap of 2020. We brought up doing like a PlayStation focused series of episodes, and that's exactly what we're doing. So for the next few episodes, what we're going to be doing and in the future ones, we're probably going to be joined by our friend and recurring guest, Maria. So everybody loves Maria. She's going to be joining us for some of these PlayStation talks. So for the next few episodes, we're going to break down kind of the PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4, probably talk some PS Vita as well, because I know uh, Maria is is still a big fan of the PS Vita. So she'll probably have some things to say about that. And then we'll kind of talk about as hopefully when we finish these episodes, maybe we'll have an announcement of PS5 by then. Who knows? So maybe we'll have something to talk about then. But it's going to be fun kind of diving into the history of PlayStation because, Darren, I know you said last time you're like me where this has always been kind of a part of your gaming life since like, you can you can remember. Mm-hmm. And don't you forget the Vita's big brother, the PSP, the better big brother. You can't forget Ooh. about that. Can't forget See, about the those, PSP. You got to watch out because those Vita fans are very, very loyal. So. I understand. I still have my Vita. <laughs> But at the same time, unless you're a weeb, let's face it, <laughs> let's face it, there were hidden indie gems, and they were for weebs. Let's just face that. Yeah, okay, okay. So I'll take your word for it, because you are uh, the resident weeb expert on this episode, because this as we true. talked about last time, you are, you you gave us all the, the deets on Final Fantasy. So... You'll, I'll have to trust your word on that, and then you, Maria, can have it out on the PSP versus the PS Vita and see which one reigns supreme. PSP. But this week, <laughs> we're going right into the PlayStation 1, and of course, it's still kind of crazy to me to think back that this came out in 1995. It really, like, it, it's, it's almost crazy, because I think I didn't get mine until maybe like 1997, 98, so I guess that's why it probably feels like that's really early. When mm-hmm. was when was it that you actually got the PlayStation 1? Shoot, if I'm thinking about it, probably around the same time, 97, 98. 
But then for me, yeah. that's like I am four and or five at the time. So like for me, like I want to say I probably remember having a Super Nintendo before anything. And then 64 yeah. is like that space where I remember a lot. But then the PlayStation yeah. just always kind of ended up being there. And for some reason, I always have them. Like I have literally two PS1 sitting on my shelf right here. Why do okay, I have two? Still have them. I, I have my PS1s, a two, and my three all right here. I love my babies. That's pretty amazing. But I, I don't have my PS1 anymore. It's it's kind of a shame. It happens, but like these things, I don't even honestly. They didn't. I moved, and then I was unpacking stuff, and I'm like, where did these come from? I don't remember bringing yeah. these, so they just show up. <laughs> um, but no, for me, PS1, like I always think back, like earliest memories is Crash Bandicoot, Crash Two specifically. And some of the later um, Spyro games. And then, oh, yeah. Yeah, PS1 was always like, I had weird games on PS1, but Crash Bandicoot is always the standout for me. So that's where the just Naughty Dog to me does no wrong. Yeah. It stems from me playing Crash back in the day. Yeah, because Crash Bandicoot, I have a lot of memories with it. Not so much of me just playing by myself, because honestly, up until I had the Crash Bandicoot, like the HD remaster that they did. I never actually, like, owned the Crash Bandicoot games because what I actually did is my neighbor growing up, like, uh, me and him were about, were about the same age. I think we were a year apart. So growing up and, like, down the street from each other, we always hung out, and he had the Crash Bandicoot games. And so what I would do is go over his house, and me and him would, like, pass off the sticks going back and forth on Crash Bandicoot. Mm. So that added some really great memories for me because it was, like, getting to hang out with my buddy and just, like, spending the day just like trying to beat these crash bandicoot levels so i'll never forget those moments and then when i ended up buying it when they did the remaster it was kind of like a flashback to like those days of just like you know going over at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and staying there until like your parents call you home for for supper so like those memories are are like near and dear for me because it's Mm -hmm. just throwing me back to childhood and a lot of fun and like the playstation was the one that kind of first really got me into that just because my first system was just the NES, like actually, you know, I'm, I'm the youngest of three kids and my brother was into video games too. So naturally when I was born, we already had like a Nintendo in, in the house. And my dad actually for a while was kind of into games. I think he, he tapped out around PS2. Mm. That was the last time he was really in, into video games, but naturally. So growing up, we always had like an NES in the system in the house. I mean, and then we moved on to Sega. I fucking love the Sega Genesis. Like, that is still one of my favorite systems to this day. I was a Sega kid, not a Super Nintendo kid, and I'm okay with that. I'm looking forward to seeing the Sonic movie, too, because I bet it's going to be great. I'm ready for that. I'm so ready. See, it's going to be I'm glad stupid, you like and I that. love it. <laughs> there's, too, there's too much Sonic hate out in the streets, and I won't stand for it, because Sonic is a great character, the games are great, so all you Sonic haters out there <coughs> can shut up. Yeah, I wouldn't say That's great. What... I wouldn't say great. Now I'm a, oh, I'm a, I'm a Sonic boy myself. I was Sonic really... One, Two, Oof. Sonic, Sonic One, Two, and Three, and Sonic and Knuckles are great games. Those are. I love those games. Correct. <laughs> and then you get to the adventure games, and we have nostalgic glasses on. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't. I just ignore that those games exist. I played I the Sega Genesis <laughs> ones. <laughs> I love them. I played. So yeah, see, I was a dream. I was a gen, or Dreamcast kid. So I no played. Kidding, I played that. So. That's where that Sonic loves come from. But this this is about PlayStation, not not the Sonic. So I know. I was trying to build up the history of like where I was when I eventually got the PlayStation. So I went from Sega Genesis to PlayStation. So mm. that was my upgrade. And that's when it was like kind of that mind blowing experience of like, oh, this is what games could look like. Because even it's still shocking that this came out before the N sixty four, because I guess we I like I feel like looking at nintendo like looking at the n64 some of the graphics and some of the way the games are made it looks like it's almost older than the playstation then you find out that the playstation was out before it you're like oh Mm -hmm. well shit like look what we can do here and that's when i started to like really dive into like more video games than just like sports games because really when i was having like the sega genesis i was playing like a lot of like world series baseball sonic like those platformer games and then when you get the playstation that's when I started getting into, you know, the Metal Gear Solids, the Resident Evils, the Siphon Filters, mm-hmm. Silent Hill, Twisted Metal, you know, all of these outrageous games that were doing so many more things than I was used to with like the 16-bit Sega Genesis. 
Mm-hmm. And so the, I will always remember the PlayStation as like that system that first really showed me like what could be done. And of course, like PCs were out there. I'm not dumb. Like I understand PC <laughs> gaming was doing that stuff, but I didn't have like a good PC for gaming. Like we had a few things. I think like I played uh, Return to Cat or, or Wolfenstein 3D. I played it on PC when I was a kid, but like that's still like that's not you know top of the line graphics by any means. So mm-hmm. PlayStation was that first experience for me where I was like, oh shit, like. We can do some amazing things and we can almost tell like cinematic stories, not just these kind of like platformers. And then you kind of get to that cut scene where it's just, you know, two characters on a screen and then text bubbles coming in and out. Now we're having like these cinematic cut scenes. We're having yeah. like these at the time state of the art graphics. Now it's funny to look back at like what we thought was incredible. Cause it's still funny to me. Like I'll always go back and play Metal Gear Solid, and I'm like, "Wow, Solid Snake and none of these characters have a face. They just don't have a face." Look at that block of a man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just have shadow crevices. Look at Lara Croft and those <laughs> pyramids. Look at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like she, for me, yeah, she's very polygonal. <laughs> like for me, like growing up on the PlayStation, like even though I had it, I didn't, I didn't experience things until later on yeah like initially when i first played it was ps like ps2 was my real like oh look at video games because i was it was very much split for me between n64 and playstation and then growing up is when i like kind of went back and just i ended up coming across a bunch of different playstation games like um for me playstation consisted of like spyro the dragon crash bandicoot um parappa the rapper um, oh man that's a throwback such a classic though it's so good i love it till this day but yeah. um like stuff like that i uh, came across games like gems like uh buster groove which they need to come back which is like i think that's where like my stem of rhythm games came from yeah and i had that game for years and i sucked and i did not have <laughs> rhythm back then and it made me sad but then I went back with Rhythm, and I was just like, these games are amazing. And then I found out there was a third one that only came out in Japan on PS2, which yeah. we never got imported. They never localized it, so that made me sad. <laughs> but then, at the same time, that's when I um, learned about Castlevania Symphony of the Night. These, there you uh, go. These great Final Fantasy games, like like you said, Metal Gear. Um, there's so much... So many, like, just games where I'm just like, these are some of the best games ever made. And they were on PlayStation. Look at it's this. It's pretty wild, yeah, to look at the lineup. Like, obviously, doing the, the prep work going into this episode, I had to look back at, like, some of the games that came out of the PlayStation. And, I mean, obviously, you have a ton, like, off the top of your head. But then you start, like, really seeing some of these and, like, things that you weren't thinking of. Like, the original Grand Theft Auto on PlayStation. I still mm-hmm. have a copy of this. It's such, at the time, like, it, it was pretty wild what it was doing because it had these three completely separate, like, full cities that you could drive through. Obviously, it's the top-down, like, 2D. Yeah. I'll never forget it had the the circle button was dedicated to burping and farting for your character. <laughs> America would so, be like. I, I just can't believe that they actually got rid of that feature, for being completely honest. <laughs> So that was a throwback. And then, of course, like, the Rayman games. Oh, yeah, um, Rayman. And, Seriously, like, one of my favorite games as a kid, because I got, obviously, influenced, too, a lot by my brothers. My brother is a mechanic, so he's, like, very into cars. He's always been into, like, cars, monster trucks, all that type of shit. One of the best games. uh, Yeah, Gran Turismo, of course, like, that blew me away at the time, because that was, like, a real racing simulator. It wasn't, like, another game I loved, which was, like, Test Drive, those games. Mm -hmm. I loved those racing games, but those were a little bit more kind of, like, you know, California Cruising USA type of games. Yeah. And... Gran Turismo blew me away, but one of my favorite games, because me and my brother would play it all the time, was Destruction Derby, and it was just a Destruction Derby video game, so it's like Demolition Derbies, and like you had different, you could do races, and of course try to destroy all the other cars, mm. or you could just get in a pit and just drive into each other. It's such a simple game, but it was so much fun. And then of course, like, Cool Borders was cool Borders awesome. Was and do you remember... Do you remember the two extreme? It was like the it was it was originally like bought by ESPN, but then they lost the license, and it was like the two extreme sports, and it was just like you could either do rollerblading, um, luge, mountain biking, and I think there might have been one other. I think do you remember I do this remember game? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
by ESPN though, really? Wow. I think yeah, I think they had it at one point and then when they lost it, the game seriously suffered in quality. <laughs> it wasn't as good anymore. <laughs> Man, you know, I'm looking back at some of the games. There was uh Yu-Gi-Oh Forbidden Memories like Yo. Yu-Gi-Oh Forbidden Memories was actually kind of hard because it, it like was it really ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it really like worked you to try to get you to get good cards like you couldn't just like how the game boy games were if you had one of the cards you could put the code on the card in the Mm -hmm. game and unlock it obviously you had to get to the level to like use some of the cards but you had to get star chips to unlock them you could still you were still able to um use the codes on the cards to to bring them up but if you didn't have star chips to unlock them it was impossible so every good card cost like 999 star chips and i'm like that's impossible how am i gonna do that and i end up getting a like the spider monster dragumo i had managed to get that and i was (laughs) plowing through the game and then i think i got to dueling i like got pretty far because of that card i was dueling kaiba i accidentally tried fusing it with something so it got rid of that card and then i just lost and i was never able to like everything just never went my way ever again (laughs) yeah Man, that one was one of the hardest Yu-Gi-Oh games I played because I had the uh, the one for Game Boy Color. I can't remember the name of that one, but then I had Eternal Duel of Soul yeah! on Game Boy Advance, which I still I still to this day I still think that that's the best one. I have it on my um, Super Nintendo Classic because I I just did the the Hatchy software to add games to it, mm-hmm. and I added like that one because I was like, this is hands down, this was always my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh game. And like once I started playing it again, it was like muscle memory. It's like so I totally good. remembered that everything. Fantastic. Got the cards I wanted. Got my Jinzo in there. Got my Gemini Elf. Like, got all my good ones, man. I fucking I loved Yu Gi Oh. That was well, a that was a great game growing up. <laughs> we'll loop back to it on the PS2 episode, but uh, yeah, Duelist of Roses on PS2. If you never played that one, we'll go over it later. But woo, that was a good yeah. one too. I missed out on that one unfortunately because I think when I had uh, see I don't know like where the crossover was if i just missed that one or if maybe that one came out after i was kind of done with like heavily being into it so i don't i'd have to i'd have to double check that but that's why i'm really hoping for this full backwards compatibility on ps5 so i would just go get some of these games and fucking start playing them (laughs) yeah i'm taking three fighting games like yeah see playstation i think the original playstation was i was at my like most open when it came to like playing different games and you know why it's because of those demo discs. Remember Demos. how fucking cool demo discs were? You would just go into a store, you would see a video game magazine, and it said demo discs included with such and such and such. I don't even think they told you what demo discs it came with. You just or what demos were on it. You just like, yeah. here's a disc, and then you just started playing stuff, and it was great. It was great. Dude, like, yeah, because that that that's why the joke was like. That game, Medieval, I finally bought it when it was on sale for Black Friday, and I'm playing through it for the first time because it was the um, the, the remastered Medieval that they yeah. did. And because <laughs> the joke was, like, I had never played it. I'd only played the demo that was on the demo disc. And when they had the <laughs> demo that came out for the PS4, I played through that, and I was just like, wouldn't it be funny if this is all I played and I didn't actually play the game? But I am now actually playing it. It's actually pretty fun. It's not bad. It's like, obviously, it hasn't really aged that well. Yeah, but it's, I played the demo. Right. I was like, mm, I think I'll just play the demo. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't have nostalgia like, for this. And It's okay. I don't mind. It was 20 bucks. I was like, whatever. Not <laughs> Treat myself to a little bit of nostalgia. Um, but yeah, those demo discs, because it was that. I think that was the first time I ever played Metal Gear Solid, because I really didn't know what that game was at all. And then I played it, and I remember that first demo where you're kind of going through that first mission before you get into you have to like sneak through the heliport. I was like, all right, because just that little bit, you had like four different ways you could kind of get your way up there, depending on like, if you got caught, if you went and found the gun, if you didn't find the gun. So that's, I remember those demo discs was like, all right, this gives you a chance to like see some of these games. And because of that, I was into playing like Tekken, which I, now I don't really play fighting games, but back then I would try anything and be like, yeah, let's this go to Blockbuster. We'll rent again. a game. This guy was limited Blockbuster too, Like, Friday nights, you know, the parents would be like, all right, it's the weekend trip to Blockbuster, and I'd go right to the video game section, and man. The golden era. Yeah, because of some of those demo discs, I would go and try some of these other games, and it was great. I actually now, have let a, me, um, let me ask, when you got your, um, when you got your PlayStation, 
was this pre-DualShock for you? Oh, yeah. I, I My original PlayStation just had the, the regular controller. Okay. I think I only had um, the DualShock, and, like, I have a red one sitting right here, like, pre-DualShock, and I'm like, Yo, oh, how I had... Function? Dude, I had the red pre-DualShock, too. <laughs> hey, there we go. Yeah, I, uh, I I definitely was grateful when the DualShock came out because it really did change how gaming was done with it, and it it was it, it was for the better. Like once that DualShock was implemented, you're like, yeah, there's no going back now. Mm-hmm. So that was a cool moment though because it actually was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Like this is a nice little advancement that they're doing here. Um, what were some of like those games that you remember playing that are like? the ones that you'll always think of as the number one PlayStation games for you, or like the top five? Like I said, a lot of the big ones, the big, big ones that stand out are definitely me older and able to recognize a bit more and also play them because if yeah. I played them when I was younger, Symphony of the Night, it would not have been accomplished at all. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, Symphony of the Night is definitely up there. Like, that's one of my favorite games ever. Um, hands down. Like, that's now yeah. Final Fantasy Seven Nine storytelling just of that level back in the day like i can understand i 100% understand metal gear for a lot of people and like i said in um last episode i was on with you um i didn't play final fantasy 7 until last year yep um but i knew so many of the story beats so much of the story that i always thought it was overrated but then once i played through it all the way and just seeing the cinematics, seeing the storytelling, seeing these character developments. I'm like, how did this exist? How did they make this happen in 1997? Like, yeah. I'm blown away now in 2019, 2020, that this game came out. It holds up just fine besides their <clears throat> doofy, blocky selves. Yep. <laughs> Everything else, great. And just see, I'm like, I can understand now why when this game came out, like why why square decided you know or not working with nintendo this time because the playstation yeah. can do what we want to accomplish they're yeah. able to push the technology that we would never be able to accomplish on a 64 right and that's what i think initial demos i think showed off final fantasy 7 like what they wanted to build for yeah. nintendo but then they went over to playstation so like yeah. all of these companies too back in the day they all had funk with each other because we, for people who don't know, the PlayStation is pretty much spawned because Nintendo were jerks and they were scared of Sony because they had all the rights damn near for that technology. Yeah, and the PlayStation is also pretty much what killed Sega because Sega ends up rushing out the Sega Saturn to try to compete with the PlayStation and the Saturn just wasn't as good. So they It's crazy because Sega had a chance too. Sega had because Sega had a lot of IPs like they mm-hmm. had a lot of properties and that's why they ended up transitioning to just being like the publisher but man they just they lost a lot with Sega Saturn and so they couldn't get that back with Dreamcast I also don't think the Dreamcast controller helped I gotta tell you that controller <laughs> was, a, was a big turnoff <laughs> yeah the, yeah any anytime I look at a Dreamcast controller nowadays I'm like Oof. Yeah, like, just look at, like, the Dreamcast controller, the N64 controller, and the PlayStation controller, and you're like, one of these companies just knew what they were doing in this aspect, and the other mm-hmm. two were just like, let's just fuck around and see what people will accept. Yeah, like, I love me my 64 controller, don't get me wrong, but also at the same <laughs> that time, thing is what? crazy. <laughs> it's like, what? Who? who is this for? Where is yeah, the, it's... What is this third prong for? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give the N64 controller credit that it, it was the one that instituted the joystick. I mean, obviously, the Atari instituted the joystick. Like, let's we'll, we'll, give, we'll give Atari and, like, yeah. a television and all that credit. But, like, for a video game console controller that had the joystick, but then PlayStation was like, what if we do two? two <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, wait a minute. This with is better. Rubber. <laughs> yeah. With rubber. Comfortable rubber. <laughs> And, and it, it doesn't destroy your hand when you use <laughs> this joystick. Oh, yeah. No, I actually, one of the times, we'll talk about this on PS2, and we talk about Fight Night, because I played a lot of Oof. Fight Night with PS2. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, have a, I have a good story. Me and my brother had some battles on Fight Night. Dragon that, Ball, we'll, Budokai, we'll, Tenkaichi. We'll talk about <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, but standout games, Castlevania, Final Fantasy VII, 9 specifically, Parappa yeah. the Rapper, and... 
Crash 2 specifically, because that game was perfect, in my opinion. The Crash games, like, going back when I was playing them again, they're hard. Like, I remember, as a, I, feel like, I feel like as a kid, me and my neighbor, when we were like eight or nine years old, we were way better than I am as an adult playing mm-hmm. this game. <laughs> like, one specifically, when I played, the, when I, I don't even think I beat the remaster, for one. Yeah. But when I, as I was playing it, I was like, do you know what? I think I stopped at a certain point, even when I was younger, because I was like, this is hard, and I don't, I can't do. But Crash 2 just implemented so many different changes that made the game better. Yeah. In every way. And then 3 happened, and they're like, what if we made everything crazy? Here's motorcycles and airplanes and space and jetpacks and rocket launchers. And they were, yeah. they just wanted to throw everything at the wall to see what stuck. And they decided, let's just put it all in. <laughs> Two is that nice middle ground of like, here's one, but better in every way. Crash 2 was the Uncharted 2 of the Crash games. That is a great comparison. Obviously, the Naughty Dog comparison, too. Mm-hmm. Let's just hope their Last of Us is just as good, if not I better, know. than the first one. It's it's going to be tough. We'll see, though. So, I guess some of like my standouts, obviously Metal Gear Solid, but the Twisted Metal series, I absolutely loved Twisted Metal. Like, Twisted Metal 1 was kind of revolutionary for me because it was, like, the first time I kind of saw this crazy, like, oh, it's, it's like that Demolition Derby game, but, like, these trucks are almost like Transformers and shit, and, like, they can right. blast through people. So that was really cool. And then, like, the characters were super easy to, to get into. Naturally, Sweet Tooth is the one everybody gravitates to. But, like, in Twisted Metal 2, when you had Axel come into play, everyone was like, look at this crazy motherfucker who's just, like, standing in between two tires. Like, he's just going at it. And everybody, like, he, right. he was instantly, like, a fan favorite for me. But I remember, like, just countless hours playing through those games, like, having matches against, like, my brother and my sister, like, playing each other getting pissed off at each other because one's playing better than the other. That's just how it goes. So those Twisted Metal games, obviously, were just some of the like the most fun I had in gaming. Then we'll talk about it for PS2, but Twisted Metal Black. I have a lot of thoughts on that game. Fantastic. And then the Resident Evil games, of course. Resident Evil 2, I've talked about this multiple times. That Obviously, I loved the, the remaster of it. I think it was an incredible remake it, from like top to bottom. Resident Evil 2 everybody if you haven't played Resident Evil just start with Resident Evil 2 mm-hmm. the remaster it's so Resident fucking good. good so I remember playing that on PlayStation and we had our PlayStation set up in the basement and naturally basements are just like creepy in general because all these crazy sounds going on and so it adds to like the aura of just like creeping around through the rp like the the raccoon police department and just getting zombies attacking you having the liquors jump out at you then being stalked by mr rex and i remember because that game utilizes the save points so you have to get to the typewriters to save i remember one time like my brother was playing through it and like it was one of those times where i was like just my the younger brother just like watching him play but i was mesmerized because like that game is one of those games that you could just watch someone play Mm. and have a ton of fun doing it and so you know eight-year-old me like he's way better at it because like those games are kind of hard like if you don't if you have it on like normal mode those puzzles can be pretty challenging but also like the zombies are challenging because if yeah, you take like, a couple um, of hits you go down my first resident evil was five honestly yeah and even like i think i always looked at the resident evil games and those were ones where i'm just like you have to do what <laughs> i don't want to do that yeah i don't i don't want to do that and like i think the closest thing to me it's again like ps2 i have a lot to say PS2 was oh, yeah. godlike, but like I think me playing Devil May Cry three was the closest thing I had gotten to like a Resident Evil game. Yeah, like in that not Metroidvania way of just kind of like backtracking, but like figuring out puzzles, doing stuff like that. Like right, DMC three right. was the closest thing like that because originally it kind of was supposed to be a Resident Evil game back with DMC one. Yeah, but, yeah, like games like that. I I just always felt intimidated by them when I was younger. Now I can go yeah. back and be like, I'm going to do this. And even still now, I'm like, besides RE2, like the remake for it, like that was the closest thing I got to an original Resident Evil game where I'm just like, this yeah. is great. Oh, I hear that. And like, that's why I had a good time just watch my brother. But because it had like the save points, he was at like, he was very close to the end of the game. And 
like he was playing it one like one morning before we were going to school and he's like ah shit i can't get to a save point before we had to go to school so he just like left the playstation on all day and it was one of those things where it's like trying to hope that you know dad doesn't see that this thing is on and just turns Mm -hmm. it off and i remember when like i got home before he did i just like turned on the tv to make sure it was still there and i was like (laughs) all right it's still there and so when he got home we sat down we finished it up but it it was really cool because it was like you know that little bonding moment but the the end of the game is like really exhilarating because that fight with like the, like that monstrosity that you have to deal with it, it's mm-hmm. pretty wild especially as like a little kid watching that and then siphon filter always stands out to me just because of the taser that's the best weapon mm-hmm. in the game it's like mm-hmm. you can't convince me otherwise you could just hold that thing down and watch these people burn and the the range you could like hit people from like across like down the street like three blocks away and you snag somebody with the taser and just burn them alive <laughs> Man. They gotta, siphon they gotta make another good. siphon filter. <laughs> Dude, who made siphon filter again? It's, um, uh, it's Sony Bend. It's the one oh, who did Days yeah, Gone. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So, I knew that it was recent. There, this is, this is a light. This is, it's, a, it's a light spoiler for Days Gone in the sense that Days Gone, you find out. Obviously, not telling you how you find out or like why you find out about it, but Days Gone seems to take place in the siphon filter universe. Really. So, I'm curious to see where they go there. So that's why okay. that that was one of the things that actually, because I, I was kind of sour on Days Gone for a little bit, and then I got back into it, and I kind of got back into it because I, I read that, and I was like, ooh, wait a minute, now I'm interested. So anyway, we're, we're sidetracking again. So like Siphon Filter was a lot of fun, <laughs> literally just because of that taser. And like Gabe Logan, I'll never forget, like he just had such a cliche kind of like action hero name and voice. Just like, all right. We gotta, we gotta take out the terrorists, and that was America. it. But uh, <laughs> the uh, the test drive games too, like test drive. I think we had test drive four. Uh, it was either test drive four or five, but that was one that got a lot of playtime in our house. And I remember because it had a San Francisco map or level, mm-hmm. and just I remember like going down the hills of San Francisco was such a blast because we'd try to see like how many hills we could jump with one jump like see if we could clear like two hills at a time so that was a ton of fun like doing those little things but man going through the list of playstation games i was kind of blown away because we've talked all about like games already now for like 30 minutes and we haven't even brought up one of the best video game series of all time and it started on the playstation and i still think these were probably like two of the best entries in this series tony hawk pro skater like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. First of two, all, the, two the, the soundtrack. Like, the soundtrack on both of them. Absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it had all the pop punk hits that we wanted. Then it had, of course, like, Everybody Remembers Superman by Goldfinger. Yep. That song being on that game is what got me to buy the Goldfinger Hang Ups album. It's a pretty good album, Those games, by the way. I specifically, it. like, even just up to four, those games specifically, like, those and, like, the Burnout games later on, yeah those define people's music taste for a long time yes like if you weren't into like me growing until maybe i was in like high school i like video game sound just video game soundtracks were the music that i listened to but i didn't listen to music like that back then like it was just always there but when i played these games that was just like this is good i enjoy this yeah give me more and they just they stick with you so if you go back and play them like even if you think you forgot a song the moment you play the game and you start hearing it you know every single word oh yeah and then once you start to figure out how to tie together combos and like how to do the special moves it really becomes like a fun game because i remember eventually we'll talk about this on the next episode when we do ps2 but tony hawk underground that was like one of those like real evolutionary moments for that franchise and I'll never forget how incredible that game was. But more to come next episode on Tony Hawk mm-hmm. Underground. But yeah, Tony Hawk 1 and 2, the soundtrack, the levels, and I remember like all the things you had to do each level, you know, collect, you know, S-K-A-T-E to spell skate, collect like the hidden video, right. try to get like this amount of points in one had combo. weird platformy bullshit ingrained it. Like, I was like, oh, it's collectathon in the skating game. Yeah. Cool. All these, all the different sports games that were spawned because of tony hawk yeah 
And it was a cool co-op game, too, because you could play, like, horse and just, like, pass off the controller. Or, like, obviously you could do two controllers at once. But, like, they had those games. Then they had the best trick mode, too, so you could try to compete against your friends and do, like, the best trick. And they had, I love how they gave, like, all these pro skaters the chance to, like, showcase their own personalities and stuff like that. Because each character was very different from the other ones. So, like, Mm -hmm. they had personality. They had their own special moves. They did, like, their own little special, I guess, like, poses when you went over to them. They had all their own stats. Obviously, Tony Hawk had the best stats. Because, you know, he did the 900. So, that's clearly just the the pinnacle achievement. (laughs) That's um, all you need. <laughs> I forget. Did the secret characters start in those two, or did they start in three and four? I think I can't remember actually. I think there was a secret character in two. I don't know if there was one in one though. That I'd have to look that up because I that's man. I haven't played either one of those games in God knows how long. Honestly, and then we don't talk about five. Yeah, I didn't exist. do that one. I that doesn't after exist. Uh, after one and two. I think I played a little bit of three. But then I didn't play four. I just waited until Tony Hawk Underground came out, and then I played Underground uh, one and two, okay. and that was that was the last of my Tony Hawk experience. Was for me, it was four. I don't have any experience with Underground, but four was also still great. Oh man, I if you have a PS2 still, I would highly recommend go grab yourself a copy of Tony Hawk Underground. You will not be disappointed. For sure, it's 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 fantastic. Oh, so, they had a lot of secret characters. I do have to give uh, Nintendo one edge for the N64 over PlayStation. I mean, this obviously they have Nintendo 64 has a ton of great games. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a knock on N64 at all. But I, can't I do that. I had owe too much of my life to 64. To yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I had a PlayStation. My buddy had an N64. So when I go to his house, we'd play that. When he came to my house, we'd play PlayStation. So I got the best of both worlds. And one of my all-time favorite video games, not just on 64 games, it's the best wrestling video game ever made, WWF No Mercy Mm -hmm. on the N64. I still have a copy of that because my roommate had an N64, so I I saw it at a a store that I usually go to, and I was like, I have to get it. And so now I need to go buy myself an N64 so I can still play this game when I move out. (laughs) Man, see, like... Like I mentioned, like, for some reason, I always end up, like, PS1s just kind of appear and materialize. Yeah. Um, and same thing for 64s. So, it's, like, in storage, like, with my family spot right now. But I've always had, like, my clear red 64. And anytime I moved, I always found no less than two black 64s. I don't Yo, know why. If, uh, don't if, know you have, if you have any extra N64s sitting around, I'll, uh, I'll buy one off you. <laughs> Hey man, don't worry. I need to look for it, but if so, I'll send it to you. I got you. Shoot, All right, I, there we go. We got to do my baby, and the other ones are just there. So <laughs> perfect. As long as they turn on and play the game after you blow in the game, that's all I need. Exactly. So we were never supposed to do that. I know. I was like, well, that's. I mean, I, you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah, that's not going to label stop. on the back. See, that's I'm that's like evolution, that. you know, because like this is just years of instincts now where we're just like blowing into these because that's what we've been doing for decades that's what our fathers did and our father's (laughs) fathers did (laughs) into these 90s cartridges (laughs) yeah blowing on floppy disks before that that's how you fix things it's either that or you smack it a little bit and it'll work all right not (laughs) not technology nowadays it will it will explode nowadays you'll break it they're too small So we kind of went over basically the the games that have always stuck out to us. What would you say were one of those like moments you had with a PlayStation where you were you were kind of stunned at how far video games had come and what was like something that you have seen that they laid the groundwork for now kind of looking back on it, you know, like 25 or like what's it, 15 years? That's it, been a while. 20 years, 25 years, 20, 25 yeah, years. Almost, yeah. It's coming up on 25 soon. Oh, this gosh, yeah, this is the year 25. twenty five. Yeah, we're getting old. Because <laughs> I guess I guess it was twenty five technically last year because yeah. it released in Japan la- in ninety four. So yeah, they, they did America. the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's twenty five um, years for the American release. But so what was like one of those things that the PlayStation did for you that you had one of those moments where you're like, oh wow, like this is amazing. And then kind of now where we're at, do you see that the PlayStation kind of laid the groundwork for what we're doing today? To me, I want to say it might be music games. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah. Um, just rhythm games in general. Like, I don't know how many rhythm games were on Nintendo stuff prior, but Parappa the... Okay, so, because, yeah. like, <laughs> first of all, the the PlayStation was also a CD player, so for those who had music, you know, you could use that, and that yeah. blew people's minds back then. Thanks, King Kuragi, cool. for seeing that shit. Fucking Sony Music is are the ones who pushed for the PlayStation to be shown off and be like they, they were the marketing push not sony themselves that they're like mm, this is a baby's toy we don't know yeah <laughs> but um yeah no parappa the rapper is like that um jammer lammy uh buster groove like when i think about rhythm games it goes back to the playstation one and that's probably the reason why i like rhythm games nowadays like yeah pat upon uh the hatsune miku games which i discovered through psp yeah just stuff like that where even if <laughs> you gotta have rhythm on those but also it just introduced <laughs> a bunch of different music to me yep um like come on there's this hip-hop dog with this orange with this little orange beanie on and that first song will i think even people who haven't played parappa the rapper know about grandmaster onion and hip it's all in the mind if you want to test me i'll show you fine the things i'll teach you will surely beat you nevertheless you get a lesson in like stuff like that i think anybody who knows playstation can associate to that to that dog yeah when are they bringing parappa the rapper back well they've they've re they brought out these 4k remakes for ps4 which i bought <laughs> oh yeah I, i'm sure i'm sure that thing sold well but like they, y- you gotta do a new one eventually I like, doubt P- they imagine will. imagine ps5 is like their launch titles like and we're bringing back parappa the rappa i feel I, like that would bring, bring a lot of people back lose my mind because <laughs> that would be something i would never see coming yeah ever but better than yeah, for me three knack <laughs> 3 specifically a little because um, i love how i saw a meme it's like knack is the only th- game this generation that got a sequel this generation <laughs> yeah <laughs> honestly you say three i i keep on thinking that it's a meme forgetting that knack 2 is a thing that actually it, exists. It, it's a real thing i have <laughs> i think i i have at least knack one i might have knack two as well but it was on like ps plus so i was like all right i'll add it to the library I haven't played oh, it, yeah. but it's in the library, so I can play it if I want to. I saw that trailer and I was like, look at this tech demo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for me, like back then, definitely music games. Um, now, I'm going to continuously loop back to Final Fantasy VII because that yeah. is now the one game that I wish if like, if I could hit a button in my brain to forget everything I knew. Yeah, and to play Final Fantasy VII and experience that alongside people when they first played it, that would have been the game. Oh yeah, of just like wow, look at these like these graphics, this story, these epic proportions, it's three disc. What do you mean three disc? <laughs> oh my mean? god, I thought I thought Metal Gear was big when it came on two disc, but yeah, I saw the Final Fantasy VII and it's like Jesus Christ, there's like four discs in here. What's happening? Three disc. Final Fantasy VIII, I think, had three to. Four four discs same thing for nine all those games and it's like square just was in a very special spot of hey guess what we have the power now we're gonna use it and Um, they used it (laughs) mm -hmm. like castlevania like all my favorite games from playstation one i just think about how they did stuff so spoiler alert for symphony of the night if you didn't know but when you beat (laughs) symphony of the night you could just beat it but unless you go around and do some extra stuff, you'll find out that that is only the first half of the game. So That's unless you wild. get like a special item and you're fighting the final boss, like if you have this item, you'll see that the final boss is actually being controlled and then you can attack that, the one who's controlling him, and it will reveal another castle <laughs> in the sky <laughs> and then you're playing the entire game in reverse. That's why. So like the entire castle is reversed and so you're going through it all again, but new enemies, new items you can get, new bosses to get to the final boss being Dracula. But up until that point, like I had gone through it, I was just like, wow, the final boss isn't Dracula. And then I looked up stuff and I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, wow. Okay. See, that was one of like the same kind of concepts as what kind of had gave me that moment where I was like, all right, this is kind of what games can be and where they're going. 
it's like you said it's it's because they had companies that were like all right we do have a little bit more power now we can we can do some things we couldn't do and it led to some more experimentation so like you bring up the final fantasy and like castlevania but then obviously i always circle back to metal gear because that was one of my like big moments with video games where i was like all right this is what i'm looking for in a game and this is what's really hooking me but obviously the cinematics that they focus on but the fact that it was like such a big game that they had to put it on two discs i didn't really see many two disc games i think like gran turismo had i think it came in a two disc box but it wasn't actually two discs or something like Mm -hmm. that i don't know it wasn't like a common thing most of the times games are coming in like two disc box because they have like a, a huge fucking instruction manual oh, that they had to include. Yes, instruction manual. Yeah, and now like you don't get instruction manuals. Back then, they were like a huge part of the game. Honestly, one of my favorite things about Metal Gear is how cool the instruction manual is. It lays out every weapon. It lays out every character. It gives a little description of each. I thought that was really cool. I kind of missed that, and so that's one of the the big things I loved about like PlayStation games was those instruction manuals. Like those things were pretty mm-hmm. great, and so. The, the Metal Gear Solid and like Resident Evil, like those cinematic moments, like those types of things are what really hooked me into video games and not just like playing like the platformers or just like the sports games that I was playing. Because now I'd always been like a fan of movies. I think like when I was like four years old, I ended up breaking our Terminator 2 VHS because I watched it so much, you know, like <laughs> I was always into like action style movies and stuff like that as a kid. And these types of games really sold me on that kind of best of both worlds experience where you get to play as a character and you do a bunch of things, but then you also get to like sit back and watch these really cool moments play out. And that's when I started to, I guess, experiment with different types of games. So that way I didn't just kind of shoehorn myself into one style. And so I kind of owe the PlayStation to that because it opened, it basically opened my eyes to, where games were going and what you could experience not just like the the colorful 16-bit graphics and like the chiptune soundtrack and things like that now you had like legit scores you know you had actual like you said like actual music being played that turned you on to new styles of music and things like that and so i think the playstation just allowed developers to do way more than they previously could and as a as a young kid getting to see this like literally get to see technology advance right before my eyes it set the groundwork for where we're at today because like now i feel like we almost kind of take for granted how amazing video games look and like how amazing they're gonna look on you know the series x and the ps5 and however however more powerful pcs we can make like i feel like now we kind of take for granted how amazing these things look and how amazing they function because back then we were blown away by like what playstation was doing you know (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy how it's taken so many years for just the world as a whole to kind of realize video games can tell stories too. Yeah. And they've been doing that for decades. Exactly. Like, we've gotten PlayStation was PlayStation N sixty four was when stories were told. It went from hey, this plumber is jumping and breaking blocks yeah (laughs) this kid is swinging a sword and finding stuff in a cave to games like ocarina of time games like metal gear resident evil final fantasy silent hill is like stories were told emotions were conveyed because of these things that you're not just watching you're experiencing you're you're being put in that spot instead of just like oh look at this character go i wonder what's going to happen next it's you're the one experiencing it and yeah interactive storytelling like you said it's it's just progressed over the years and it's crazy on what we've been able to accomplish where even like as much as like i love games like uncharted and last of us you those those are movies that you're playing yeah but just the other those also seem like uncharted seems a little bit more tangible until things happen in uncharted yeah but <laughs> yeah there's always that moment in uncharted games where you're like well what the fuck is happening now exactly it's like oh, yeah, okay you're like this all kind of seemed normal up until that thing came out of the wall what the fuck exactly but just the different worlds that video games are able to explore yeah where it's just like if you like certain directors or just people just be like video games are doing this or video games are doing that and it's like have you played a video game right 
<laughs> that you can you can see it from the outside and be like, this is violence. And it's like, what movies have been put out for literally decades? Oh, I know. Yeah. Literally like, decades. I always roll my eyes at that. Anytime they try to blame video games and that type of stuff, it's like, no. I, I mean, come on. Just stop. Just mm-hmm. stop with it. You're wasting your breath. You're just using it as a scapegoat. We can see through your bullshit. Like, there is everything that you see in video games. It happens in all other forms of media as well. And like you all said, it, it's forms. just not. It's just not getting the attention because video games are the low hanging fruit. And so, hey, you know fruit, what? And it and it is something that you can do. So it's like you're the one pulling that trigger, and it's like, bitch. But yeah. I watched that movie, and they're doing nothing but pulling the trigger. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, so if I'm passively watching it and pulling the trigger, you know, with the character on the movie screen, or if I'm actively pulling the trigger with the controller, it's still no different. It's still fictional. It's still not really happening. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I like, <clears throat> I also would say, like, just kind of looking back on it at this point, it's just remarkable how quickly that 25 years has gone by and like how much we've seen since then how much has basically come out of a lot of like the franchises that showed up on the playstation you know it's cool to see that you know resident evil still around it's cool to see that uh, up until 2015 metal gear Solid was still going you know it's Mm -hmm. cool i'm still waiting because i think the last one we had was on ps3 i'm still waiting for someone to bring back like a meaningful twisted metal game like let's let's bring that franchise back you know but like we saw a lot of amazing franchises kind of kick off there and it was like that moment i think that you kind of realized playstation was here to stay it was when they started doing those commercials with crash bandicoot as the mascot and just just kind of being like a little asshole like that was kind of like all right we're here to you know, make a little bit of noise. Like whether you appreciate the way we're doing it, that doesn't really matter to us, but we're, we're here to let you know that we're not just fucking around. Like we take this seriously and Mm -hmm. they, they do that in a way that's so just outrageous and ridiculous where you take your, you turn crash bandicoot into the mascot of PlayStation and just turn them into just like the sarcastic asshole. And it worked. (laughs) Yep. If you play these games, crash doesn't say Jack. Yeah. He goes, whoa, and dies. That's exactly. It. <laughs> That's it. He says nothing, but then here he is being a jerk to everybody, and I love it. Yeah, everybody fell in love with it, and it, and it's stuck. And it's a shame that with all the cool PlayStation characters they've had over the years, it's a real shame that that PlayStation All-Star Battle Royale game just fucking sucked. Like, they ended that up not is. having <laughs> enough good characters, so... I would love to see them try to redo that and like do it the right way and put the right characters in there. Cause I think that they could make something cool because there's so many amazing characters that have come through PlayStation. So if you're going to make a smash brothers clone, just make a smash brothers clone. Don't do this. You have to hit him with the special crap. That's what I didn't like about the game. Yeah. Cause if some, if you're, if you're playing again, if you're good and you're playing against somebody else, good, you're dodging those specials for days and nobody's going to win. It yeah. takes too long. It lasts forever. It would, just let me knock somebody off a stage and they die. Exactly. If you're going to go for Smash Brothers, go just go in. So that's the thing too. Isn't the saying imitation is a sincerest form of flattery? It's like it's okay if you're pulling stuff from Smash Brothers to make your game that is supposed to be a knockoff of Smash Brothers. Like at least do what they're doing right. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. They did. Oh, they they really did pull a lot of mascots though. Like Dante was a was a real pull. Yeah, that was definitely a real pull on that. Um, Raiden was a real pull from Revengeance. I know you don't like that game. I enjoyed it, but <laughs> I yeah, it wasn't. I'm not the hack and slash game type of person, and honestly, it, it kind of lost me right at the beginning where it was like, okay, now he can just like shoot RPGs all over the place, and you can just slice up anything. I was like, what the fuck is happening? I was like, this just isn't a Metal Gear game, and uh. The moment they said, we could sneak around, or, or you could just go, you can sneak around, I just rushed in, and he's like, or you could do that. I was just like, oh yeah, I'm here for this. <laughs> yeah, see, that was the thing, is like, I, I much prefer the sneaking, but, you know, to each it. to each their own. I uh, yep. <laughs> Maybe someday but, I'll, I'll try that again, but no promises. <laughs> yeah, but they even brought, um yeah, that game, they brought back Parappa the Rapper, which at that point we hadn't seen in over a decade yeah um they brought the playstation the actual playstation mascots of um what's their name uh toro and koro something like that the little the black and white cats they were the oh, japanese man. mascots I, of PlayStation. i totally forget that that yeah. one I, that one i totally forget <laughs> i think they had like the protag from heavenly sword they had like 
kill zone guy you know, <laughs> sly Man. cooper well P- ps2 has a good era it really like, was, yeah. So I think PlayStation is, Two. I think we can talk about for days. PlayStation One yeah, was that PS Two nice is gonna point. be is gonna be tough to really break down because there are so many games on PS Two where like because it took such a next level step, you know, like mm-hmm. PS Two games look so much better. They function so much better than PS One games. So I, I really can't wait for for that episode next. I think we'll, we'll try to record that for next week because I know. The week after that is PAX East, and it's probably cool. going to be tough to get some recording that week. And then the week after that, I'm moving. So it's going to be a little tough to organize some things. But I know next week we'll record the uh, episode two for PS2 and get that out to all you folks. But before we wrap up, do you have any closing thoughts on the PlayStation 1, the glory days of PlayStation? It, it, it's birth. It's crazy to me how, like I, well, I was saying earlier, it's crazy to me how both Nintendo and Sega had a chance to be a part of this. They did. Nintendo went to Sony first. Then after Nintendo said, screw you guys, Sony went to Sega and Sega laughed at them and said, they don't know what they're doing. Yep. And look what happened. It's crazy. This this tech company that wanted to dabble with it, Ken Kutaragi, who was doing stuff behind people's backs to try to make things happen and thought that video games could have good music, which they did. <laughs> yep slowly just pushed PlayStation to being the brand that it is today all by getting hoed <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, it really is a pretty remarkable story of how it all kind of began. But And then all these years, too, about everybody saying, oh, the consoles are dying, no more consoles. Like, well, they're still kicking. And we got another generation around the corner, and I can't wait. And it all started with the PlayStation for me personally, because, you know, before that it was just the eight bit and the 16 bit. And then once I kind of laid my eyes on what PlayStation was doing, I became instantly hooked. And then from there it was, I bought a PS2, bought a PS3 when it came out, bought a PS4 on launch day. That was when I knew I was like, all right, now I'm finally a responsible person because I'm buying a PS4 on launch day. That was the first system I ever bought on launch day. It felt great. Mm. You know, that i'm right there with you yeah and so i can't wait to do it for the ps5 as well by that on launch day but playstation one that was what kind of kicked it all off and and just looking back at some of these amazing games all these incredible memories that i've had just playing through playstation games with my friends my family it's uh it has a place near and dear in my heart and it always will so if you guys out there have any thoughts on your time with the original playstation the one that started it all for sony Give us a call at 347-509-5620. Let us know some of your favorite games. Maybe you have some incredible gaming memories of your time playing some games we talked about. Crash Bandicoot, Final Fantasy, maybe Silent Hill, maybe Metal Gear, maybe Siphon Filter. Maybe you were tasing people. Who knows? (laughs) Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We'll play it on a future episode of the podcast. And so, Darren, as always... This is great, man. I'm really happy we get to do this, and I'm looking forward to the next few episodes where we're going to break down the rest of the systems. But for the folks at home, where can they find the Rusty Rupees podcast, and where can they find you out there on the internet? Yes, I host a another gaming podcast, Rusty Rupees. You can find us at Rusty Rupees with two Ys at Twitter, because Twitter's some hoes. And just search Rusty Rupees anywhere else. Um, our recent episode, we actually got to interview... Um, John Eric Benley, who is the voice actor for Barrett in the upcoming Final Fantasy VII remake. That's awesome, um, man. Definitely the highlights since starting it. Like, it was such a fantastic... Please, everybody, check it out. This is in... This is one where I can... I feel, even if you don't listen... Even if you don't play video games, if you're interested in acting, voice acting, anything like that, even if it's not... You don't play Final Fantasy... This was just a great episode to hear this man's experience and just, it was a lot of lessons that we got to learn about. Definitely highly recommend that. That's perfect. I'll make sure, I'll make sure to link that episode in the show notes too. So if you're listening to this, after you finish this episode, go to the show notes, click the Rusty Rupees episode, give it a listen because they're awesome. You got to check them out. Please and thank you. And then you can just find me at XX Shadow Okami XX anywhere, Twitter, Switch. I don't, I, I play on our Twitch channel, but places add me hi i'm here awesome well thank you and uh we'll be talking next week and uh, the the weeks after that because we got a lot more playstation conversations to be had and of course i'll be seeing you very soon at pax east so i'm excited 
So all you fine folks out there, if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you go on whatever podcast service you're listening to us on. Give us a like, write us a review, subscribe to us. Maybe just share an episode. That goes a long way as well. Check us out on Twitter at Plus One Player and come on and join the Discord if you'd like to hang out and chat with some folks. But this episode has been a lot of fun because I've been waiting to talk all about PlayStation through the years for the past like two <laughs> years we've been doing this because naturally we talk about games in passing, but this is cool to kind of do a deep dive and really reminisce on some of the awesome memories that I've had throughout my gaming career, I guess you could say. <laughs> my, hey. my stats are high on the PlayStation for sure. Ooh, this PS2 one's about to be crazy. It's going to be a lot. That one, might be, that one might be a big episode. We'll have to, we'll have to see how that one goes. But I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. This has been a lot of fun. So we thank you guys out there for listening to us. We hope you have enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it for you. And as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you. And we will talk to you all very soon. Bye.